greatest story ever told is a true story. It is a story of adventures, battles, kings and queens, heroes and villains, good and evil, history and prophecy. It is your story. Come join the adventure of the Bible story. Chapter 153 Judah Falls King Zedekiah of Judah and his entourage sat quietly in the secret chamber as the servants made last-minute preparations for escape. Babylonian soldiers were already pouring through the city walls. It couldn't be long before they started searching for him in earnest. Keep those horses quiet, whispered one of the guards. The last thing we need is a loud neigh to reveal our position. Zedekiah's party waited in the secret stables. At the far side of the hall, a set of camouflage doors concealed a secret escape to a secret walled passageway leading outside the city. What's taking so long? snapped the fearful king. The Babylonians could find us at any time. We need to finish tying the burlap sacks around the horse's hooves, replied a servant. It will help cover our tracks. There is no time for that. We must leave now, the king commanded. Throw what's left of the supplies onto the mules. We're going. Two servants struggled to open the long, unused doors. But finally, with a loud creak, they swung inward and a gust of damp air filled the room. Everyone held his breath, hoping the noise hadn't attracted attention. The horses balked at the musty smell, but with some urging, they plunged into the semi-dark causeway. The emaciated horses clicked and clacked over the stones as they worked their way through the man-made tunnel and toward escape. Every few paces, a slit in one of the side walls allowed in enough moonlight for the horses to maintain their footing. The passageway began to go downhill, making the route more difficult. The air felt heavy and it was hard to breathe. They were completely underground. A few flickering torches provided the only light. Afterward seemed like ages. The riders could tell that they were ascending again. The weak horses struggled up the rise. Then the causeway came to an abrupt end. Let's just hope there aren't any Babylonians around, muttered one of the soldiers as he picked up a large pry bar and shoved it into a crack in the wall. This might make a bit of noise. As the soldier grunted, Straining to break through the exit, the specially built wall fell outward, stones thudded into a pile of sand. Fresh air flowed inward. Freedom, thought Zedekiah, as he looked up into the moonlight. Maybe we can make it to Egypt after all. The king slapped his horse on the rump and began trotting south. The others followed. Back in Jerusalem, 
Babylonian soldiers were looting and terrorizing the Jews. Most of the armed resistance was ending. Those who were left were hiding or trying to escape. The few soldiers still trying to defend against the invaders were falling quickly. Famine from the siege had left most of the defenders weak. The temple was one of the last places to be captured, although even it didn't hold out for long once the Babylonians entered the city. King Nebuchadnezzar had commanded his soldiers to confiscate all its treasure. Zedekiah's palace was searched too, but the attackers found it empty, except for a few old servants. We can't find Zedekiah anywhere, a breathless soldier reported to one of the Babylonian generals. We, we have searched everywhere, even down to the dungeons. That little weasel must be hiding somewhere, snarled the older man. Look harder! He probably had some secret means of escape, said one of the other generals. This is one of the most ancient cities on earth. There are probably caves and hidden passageways all over the place. It took hours to discover the secret passageway. When the Babylonian soldiers finally emerged from the other end, the sun was just coming up. They could see the sharp outlines of tracks heading out toward the plains of Jericho. It was clear how Zedekiah had made it past the ring of soldiers surrounding Jerusalem. They are trying to escape to Egypt, an officer of the Babylonian pursuit cavalry said. I don't care if you have to whip your horses to death. We had better catch them before they get there or King Nebuchadnezzar will have our heads. Luckily for the Babylonians, Zedekiah's scrawny, emaciated horses were worn out. When the Babylonians finally spotted the escaping Jews, some of Zedekiah's party were on foot. Their poor beasts had collapsed from exhaustion. After a short skirmish, Zedekiah's royal guard was killed and the king and his family captured. The escape to Egypt was spoiled. When the Babylonian general saw the captured Zedekiah, he was relieved. I see you are fond of road trips, he mockingly said to the fearful king. That's good because there is a very important person who would love to see you in the Syrian city of Ribla. I will be happy to personally escort you there. As Zedekiah's party was led north past Jerusalem, he could see the Babylonians forming the captured citizens of Jerusalem into long columns. They were to be taken back to Babylon and sold into slavery to help pay for the war. The Babylonians only wanted those strong enough for manual labor or who had special skills that were valuable. The elderly, sick, and those incapable of work were ignored. The slave traders even combed through the prisons. That was where they found the prophet Jeremiah. 
The Jewish prisoners were herded north to the city of Ramah, which served as a staging point for all the captives of Judah. From here, the long lines of thousands of captives were inhumanely marched to Babylonia. When Nebuzaradan, the Babylonian captain of the guard, heard that Jeremiah was among the prisoners, he immediately had him released and brought before him. Nebuzaradan knew that Jeremiah had tried to convince Zedekiah and the other Jewish leaders to submit to the Babylonians. This wasn't because Jeremiah favored the Babylonians, however, but because he was delivering God's message. If I had known you were found in Jerusalem, I would have had you released at once, Nebuzaradan told the prophet. King Nebuchadnezzar knows how you prophesied and warned your people what would happen to them unless they followed your God's commands. Now your God has brought it about. You are obviously a true prophet. Nebuzaradan continued, Now that I am releasing you, you are free to go wherever you want. If you want to come with me and your people to Babylon, I will make sure you are well taken care of. There will be no chains and labor for you. But if you would rather stay here, you may go where you choose. At first, Jeremiah wasn't sure what to do. He knew that he might be able to help some of the captives if he went to Babylon. But he also knew that God had earlier told him to buy a field in Anathoth, which seemed to indicate that God still had a job for him to do in Judah. No need to decide right now, Nebuzaradan interjected, as he saw the prophet hesitating to make a decision. Why not go and see Gedaliah, the man King Nebuchadnezzar has appointed governor of Judah? He might have some good advice. He will be working out of Mizpah instead of Jerusalem. Jeremiah was glad to hear that Gedaliah was the new governor. Gedaliah was the grandson of Shaphan, a man whose family had repeatedly helped Jeremiah. Jeremiah took that as a sign that he should head to Mizpah to wait further instructions from God. To Jeremiah's surprise, Nebuzaradan handed him a purse with money. I will also have my men bring you some provisions, he told the prophet. As Jeremiah headed to Mizpah, the Babylonians began the long march home, taking thousands of prisoners with them, including King Zedekiah and the most important officials. With the departure of the Babylonians, Many of the Jewish survivors came out of hiding and traveled to Mizpah to visit Gedaliah. This included many Jews who had fled to neighboring nations and were returning to inquire about the status of their country. Some came to rebuild. Others came because they saw opportunity. Gedaliah told his plans to his new charges. We must hurry and replant our fields, he said. Our new masters, the Babylonians, will be back again, and they will demand the tribute that we owe them as their subjects. We need to grow as much as possible and replenish our stores. Some time later, 
a group of officials and military leaders came to Gedaliah to warn him of a plot. Ishmael is plotting to kill you, they said. You know Ishmael, how he fled to live with the Ammonites when he heard the Babylonians were coming. He is jealous that Nebuchadnezzar made you governor. He thinks he should have your job because he has royal blood. It is even rumored that the Ammonite king specifically sent him to kill you. I don't believe it, Gedaliah replied. The king of Ammon wouldn't dare defy King Nebuchadnezzar. I won't stand for such loose talk with no proof. We need to come together if we are to rebuild our country, not start wars. The troubled officials departed when they realized the governor would not believe them. Later that evening, one of the men, Johanan, came back to see Gedaliah. He asked to speak to him in private. I know that you don't believe that Ismail is planning to kill you, began Johanan. But please, just consider what would happen to our country if you were to be killed. You are the only thing holding our nation together. Without your leadership, what is left of our people will be scattered across the earth. Wouldn't it be better to err on the side of caution? Gedaliah looked sternly at him, but Johanan fearlessly pressed on. Ishmael may be of royal stock, but it is fitting that he is named after our bitter enemies, the Ishmaelites. Give me permission to kill him. No one will ever know. And if I get caught, after what you said to the rest of the men this morning, no one will believe that you were involved. Do not dare touch Ishmael, Gedaliah commanded, rising swiftly to his feet. I don't believe a word you have said about him, and I would never execute anyone without having proof. If anything happens to him, I will hold you responsible. There was nothing more Johanan could do. He had done his best to convince Gedaliah of the danger. A few months later, Ishmael sent word to Gedaliah that he was traveling through the country and would like to visit him in Mizpah. He would be traveling with a small company of close friends who were also princes of Judah. Gedaliah, jumping at the opportunity to show friendship to Ishmael, invited his party to dinner. All of Gedaliah's important officials were invited. There were representatives of the military, as well as several Babylonians who served with Gedaliah. Gedaliah was happy to note that Ishmael, the guest of honor, seemed relaxed and happy. Hopefully this will be the start of a good relationship, he thought. He noticed one of his guests casually walk toward the banquet room doors and close them. Suddenly, the man turned and ran straight toward Gedaliah, pulling out a sword from beneath his tunic. On cue, Ishmael and his other men rose up and pulled their own swords. Within moments, Gedaliah, and his other unarmed guests were dead. Ishmael quickly ordered his men to hunt down and kill all the servants within the governor's mansion. No one can be allowed to escape and give an alarm, he told his men. For two days, Ishmael and his murderous compatriots lived in Gedaliah's house, and nobody knew the governor was dead. 
On the second day, a report arrived that a group of 80 men from various cities of Israel had come to request Gedaliah's permission to visit Jerusalem and worship there. These guys are pretty odd looking, one of Ishmael's men said. They have shaved their beards, torn their clothes, and have even cut themselves. They say they want to offer incense where the temple once stood. Sounds like a bunch of religious wackos, Ishmael said. They are probably using this excuse to come and pledge their support to Gedaliah. If we can lure them inside, they should make easy prey. Ishmael quickly headed out. Upon seeing them, he began to mimic their posture and attitude. He even managed to cry, pretending that he was also sorrowful about the temple's destruction. You have had a long journey, he began. Please come inside. Gedaliah would like to offer you his hospitality before you continue on. Once they were all inside, Ishmael and his ten men began slaughtering the travelers. Please, let us live, pleaded one of the men. Falling down on his knees, he implored Ishmael. We have hidden stores of wheat, barley, oil, and honey. We will gladly give you everything. It is worth a fortune. Just spare our lives. By that point, 70 of the men were already cut down. Ishmael decided to spare the lives of the last 10 in hopes of retrieving their wealth. Go dump the bodies in the pit where we put Gedaliah and the others, Ishmael commanded. His men dragged out the dead and dying and threw them in an old water cistern that King Asa of Judah had built many years earlier. Ishmael's successes made him confident. He soon hatched a plan to get enough wealth to buy more power. With the support of some greedy local thugs, he and his men confidently strode out in public, capturing defenseless people and holding them captive in the governor's house. Soon, all of Mizpah was at his mercy, including King Zedekiah's daughters, who had been under Gedaliah's protection. They even captured the prophet Jeremiah. Soon, all the prisoners were gathered together, ready to move. Make sure the prisoners' hands are tied securely, Ishmael shouted. They have a long walk ahead of them, and I don't want any to escape. The king of Ammon will pay richly for these people, and no one is allowed to touch the princesses. They will bring a much higher price if they are unharmed. Ishmael and his men worked quickly. They knew they had to get to Ammon before word spread of what they were doing, and other Jews could attempt to stop them. But word leaked out. At least one of the inhabitants of Mizpah had escaped from the city and made it to Johanan, the man who had tried to befriend Gedaliah and warn him of Ishmael's treachery. Johanan armed his mounted men and raced off in pursuit. Ride hard, men, he shouted. The king's daughters have been kidnapped.
to be continued in our next episode and continue the adventure by reading the Bible story. Find it under the Resources tab at pcg.church. Thank you.